Content warning. Please note that this episode contains depictions of violence and trauma that some may find disturbing. Now back to the show. Welcome to SYM. I'm your host, Jeremy, and today it's going to be a good one. Not only will we be having our first guest on, but this will be his first time sharing his story publicly. Despite all the struggles he has faced growing up, he has always strived for success. By setting boundaries and fighting to stay on the path forward, he made it to Hollywood, editing movies and television shows, to now owning his own podcast production company and the host of TikToking. But most important of all, a loving and devoted husband and father. I'm proud to introduce Kevin Hughes. Are you struggling or feel lost in your thoughts with no way out? Then join us in taking control of your own mind before something or someone else will. I'm Jeremy, and with my wife and co-host Carrie, this is Surviving Your Mind. Welcome back to Surviving Your Mind, guys. We have a special day, a special guest, one of our friends. We're so proud of him, actually. It's the first time that he's going to be sharing his story. And I'm going to quit talking, and let's welcome Kevin Hughes. How's it going, man? What's up, guys? What's up? This is, uh, is going to be, I think, a little difficult for me. I, I, I'm usually on the more cheery side, but uh, today I'm going to be a little bit more more, more vulnerable and, and uh, kind of share some stuff I've never really shared before, at least publicly. Right. So with your feelings right now for the other people listening to the podcast, they might be thinking about sharing their story. Like, what are you actually feeling right now? Um, to be honest, uh, a little nervous, which that's, if you know me, that's a little bit out of my norm. I'm typically not, I'm not nervous usually, but uh, I think when you are open to sharing some of the things that have traumatically affected your life in not only the childhood years, but also your adult years, and you've never really spoken about it. It's it's a little overwhelming, but I think uh, I think once I get it out, I'm gonna feel a lot better. At least that's what I'm hoping. Absolutely, I know I'm proud of you. How about you, Carrie? We're super, super like proud and humbled that you have chosen us to speak about your past and your story and. We, we already heard, you know, where you came from and what you've done. So now we're excited to hear, like, the the childhood, Kevin. So whenever you're ready, man. Yeah, and I think it has a lot to do with trust because, uh, like I said, I haven't shared this before, but hearing your guys' story and how vulnerable you were with me has kind of given me that trust towards you guys to share my story. So in all reality, I thank you and uh, – and this is it's gonna really I think help make this easier, but we'll we'll see. If I get emotional, I apologize. I'm gonna try not to. Hey. I'll be crying with you. It's okay. <laughs> right. Hey, don't ever apologize for for being vulnerable. That's something that I've been learning in my healing journey and I've been practicing it a lot at home. It's okay to not be okay and it's okay to cry. And I'm super excited that you're on here first. You know, as a male and the stigma against mental health about males opening up and being vulnerable. So why do you think now is the time to share your story? You know, honestly, it just goes back to kind of what I was saying. I've, You know, that trust that uh, I have with you guys. And when I heard that you were going to start 
doing this with guests and and hearing their stories uh it just kind of it really made me think like hey maybe this is the time that i should i should share my story and and i just think it's a good opportunity to share it with you guys and your listeners and and uh hopefully the audience i i believe you have all have kind of a backstory to some sort of traumatic experience and and that's kind of what i'm i'm hoping to uh to get out there that it happens to a lot of people and and it, um it doesn't always come in the same forms you know mm-hmm. like some people suffer from whether it be military um domestic violence uh childhood abuse sexual abuse and uh you know i think mine is is different definitely from your guys's cuz your guys's definitely sprung from the military and I personally never served. So mine will be just a little different. So I thought that it would just be a good time to share this side of, of, uh, I guess just share this side of, of where I came from, you know? Absolutely. So growing up, this involved your childhood. So when did your trauma start or did you have a certain period where you can remember a fun childhood? Yeah, I definitely, you know, there was some some positive and good times, but I guess uh, it goes back as far as I could remember. Uh, my dad, he has always really been an alcoholic, and you know, still to this day, he won't admit that he is, and uh, it's really sad. But because of his over drinking, he had one of those personality traits where when he is drinking, he gets mean and Mm. aggressive. And, you know, as far back as I can remember, it was always towards my mom. And and I witnessed uh, quite a bit of, you know, verbal and physical abuse with my mother. And then as I got older, it kind of moved over to not only my mom, but myself as well, just because, um, I'm the oldest of three and I have two younger sisters. So I was really the only other male. Okay. So I felt very protective of the females in the family. So when there was abuse going on towards my mother, I felt it was my job to step in. And so, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the the long story short, but I guess we could just start from the different periods of my life and what I witnessed so as a, a young child, I really remember my dad just, he was always sitting in the garage and and he would drink his beer till, you know, numerous hours of the night, two in the morning, three in the morning. And then uh, my mom was really the one taking care of us kids. And when when we would go to bed, I remember the yelling and the the slamming of cupboards and the breaking of dishes and it always really kind of I don't know it it, it put something in my mind like every time I would see my dad drink it wouldn't happen okay I should say I, it wouldn't happen every single time but mm-hmm. it would happen more often than not so every time that I did see uh, my dad come home with a 12 pack of his Coors Light I knew that there was a possibility that something could happen. So, you know, when it was bedtime for me and my sisters, of course, I would just lay there and, and not sleep and, and always be cautious of 
of uh, something going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that w- and that's when I was younger. But as I got older, I really started to get in more of a defense mode. Right. So my teenage years, you know, I remember one instance where uh, I don't know. Remember, I don't remember where they were coming from, but they got home and and my mom's not a drinker i i want to clarify that my mom she was just uh unfortunately she was just the victim in in all of this and my dad also was or is a very jealous person so the smallest thing would really trigger him especially when he was drinking i mean if a guy walked by and looked at my mom but my mom didn't even notice he would automatically assume that somehow my mom was the reason that guy was looking at her Re- really weird you know what i mean like just yeah i i used was, i used to be that guy drunk off the coors light jealous making up stories yeah i know yeah and just very i mean just insecure you know is really what it was the insecurity was so bad and uh you know anyway so i remember them coming home and i hear the yelling so i go out because it was coming from the garage they had just gone out of the car and then to the entryway of our house there was like five steps from the garage to the to the entrance of the house and so i heard them coming up in the yelling and so i went out there and i witnessed my dad with his hand around my mom's throat and had pushed her up against the wall and my automatic instinct like teenage instinct was like fuck that you know what i mean that's not happening so you know my adrenaline obviously shot up really quickly and i remember grabbing him and just picking him up and throwing him down those stairs and at the bottom of those stairs was a, a refrigerator that they had out in the garage and he went basically head first into that garage and instantly knocked him out and i just remember the fear of oh shit i killed him you know because i'm thinking i'm thinking he broke his neck um and then so the adrenaline went from from anger to aggressiveness to fear and my mom freaking out like oh my god like do you think he's hurt like my mom is just such a sweet innocent person like even though she was the one uh in this case that was being you know the that was the victim and and potentially could have gotten really hurt um she was still concerned for my dad's safety after i threw him down well <clears throat> He then got up, he, he started moving, and he got up, and uh, I, I don't remember the outcome of that one. I can't remember if he got upset or anything in that particular instance. Uh, that's kind of where my mind blocked everything was right after he started waking up. Mm, that's uh, pretty normal. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was one um, situation Another one was uh, going back to where I said, you know, my dad was was jealous and him and my mom, I remember it was the holiday season. They went out Christmas shopping and my dad had the right idea to go get a few drinks at the bar and with my mom and maybe do some dancing. And I guess uh, during that time, he some guy had come up to my mom, I guess, while my mom was with my dad, like she had no no part like no partake in this it was just some random guy and asked her to dance and that automatically triggered my dad to get i don't know like 
upset with my mom like it was her fault that some guy asked her to dance and she she declined it's not like she accepted she declined and, and so it turned out into a, a big argument they left and he was from my understanding now i didn't witness this part because this was all uh the story i heard from my my mom but he was getting violent while she was driving home because she didn't drink yeah and she fi- she finally got to the point where she pulled over and, and told him to get out of the car and then she drove home and then had kind of told me what had happened. And then I don't remember how long, how much longer later he showed up at the house. He had walked the rest of the way home and was super pissed. I mean, like way pissed. And I, I remember him, like my mom suffers from chronic migraines. Mm-hmm. So that was another thing that he used to, I guess, uh, overpower her with. So I remember him shoving her in the forehead against the wall. And I remember her like screaming in pain. And I was right there. And I just remember grabbing him and holding him up to a point where he couldn't move. And I told him, you know, no more of this. Like, you're no longer the the big bad dad. I'm now stronger than you. I'm bigger than you. It's not happening. And at that point, my younger sister called the cops. And the cops had come. And he kind of played it off like, oh, nothing happened. But we had told him what had happened. And they said, if we come out here again, you're going to be arrested. <clears throat> so after that, he went to bed in that instance. And then the next day, you know, the hangovers were just as bad as him uh, being drunk, to be completely honest. When he was hungover, he was just as much of an asshole as he was the night before. And then uh, I remember like him being angry. And then that's kind of where that situation ended because I think I just kind of took off from there. Like I, as a teenager, you know, once I got my license, I was kind of like, I, I'm out of here. You know, I don't have to stick around for this. And then uh, another time, uh, like I said, as I started getting older, the aggression started moving towards me. And I remember uh, I was 18, actually. No, maybe 19. I, I might have been 19. And I had just... Uh, finished up my lease at the place I was renting and I was getting ready to sign another lease, but there was like two or three weeks in between uh, when I could move in to the new place. So I was staying at my parents' house in their basement and I was working, I was out of high school, so I was working full-time and going to college. So I think I I had to work at like five in the morning and I remember it was about 2.30 or three o'clock and I heard my, my guitar, and, and it was really loud. My electric guitar, which was right next to the room I was staying, and he was, I mean, he was just full blast going at my guitar, you know? And, like, I... You can hear, like, the stepbrothers instance. Yeah. Did you go in there <laughs> oh, and it's like, it's my fucking drums! Well, <laughs> I mean, Sorry. and it wasn't even the case of him playing my guitar. It was more of how disrespectful when you know I have to get up in two hours to go to work. Right. And... And you're sitting here as loud as you can playing the guitar. So, you know, I got up and I went in. I was like, and, and I was calm about it. I was like, hey, I have to get up in two hours. Do you mind like not playing that so loudly? Or do you mind getting headphones? And then I shut my door. And then maybe 10 seconds later, he comes in and just comes straight into my face and like like middle finger up like in my face. And then at that point, I was just pissed. Cause you know, I had already gone through so much in the past with him. So I jumped up and basically 
initiated a fight. I'm like, fuck you. Like, what are you going to do? Like, like I'm done with this shit, you know? And uh, I can't exactly remember what he did to trigger me to grab him again and force him against the wall. And then I just remember I had him in a position with my elbows up for the listeners, kind of like a, almost like blocking my face, but holding, holding his shirt up at mm-hmm. the same time. And I remember him trying to swing, but because my arms were in that position, he couldn't really like get around them to hit me. And my natural instinct was defense mode. And I just remember straight up headbutting him. And I just remember the blood going everywhere from his nose and his eyes going cross-eyed. And, and then I was like, oh shit, what did I do? And I let go. I obviously never intended on, on hurting anybody, but when you're in that defense mode because you don't know what's going to happen to you, um, that was just my automatic response. And after I let him go, and I was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I, I didn't, that was just instinct. I was like, you know, I tried to, I guess, apologize because I went into a, like apologetic mode or I, I guess I don't know how to word that correctly. But um, I just remember when he kind of, you know, came to and he's like feeling his nose and noticing all the blood. He then proceeds to pick up my guitar and like full on like home run swinging it at my head. And I'm like, oh, man, if this makes contact, I'm fucking dead. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like this is bad. So like I'm I'm like sitting here like rocky like ditching and dodging this this uh this fender going straight to my to my face you know and luckily it didn't make any contact and uh at that point my mom and my sisters had all heard the commotion and they had come down and my sister she says I've already called the cops and he gets super pissed because he knows at this point and this was different situations but you know it's all they keep record of everything so Mm-hmm. you know they're gonna know that this is this situation has happened before so right. right away he knows oh shit i'm gonna be in trouble mm-hmm. so he drops the guitar and like uh like i said i was in the basement so he went up to the th- the second level of the home where their bedroom was and when the cops showed up uh they had you know said uh if i remember right they had asked someone to go get him and he came down like he was, he was like, oh, what's going on? Like, like he was sleeping. Like, like <laughs> you know. Wow. Yeah. God like, dang. Sounds yeah. like one of your old stories, babe. <laughs> oh, no, what's happening? Yeah, He's sleeping. Like, exactly. Like he, he had no recognition of what had actually just taken place. And, you know, totally trying to play it off so he didn't get in trouble. And the cops, I mean, he was still slurring his words. So the cops can tell, like okay, you know, enough of the bullshit. Like we know what's going on. And so it was another, it was another warning. I remember that time was another warning. And when the cops left, oh my God, he was so pissed that we had called the cops. Like how dare us call the cops on him and try to get him in trouble when, you know, basically he just, in my eyes, like uh, committed attempted murder on me. I mean, swinging a guitar in my head like that, like, that's insane right and i wasn't even the one to call the cops but he was very quick to uh put the blame on everybody else but himself and uh you know saying you need to get the fuck out of my house and i was like cool i'm out right you know like fine whatever and uh i remember leaving my mom's like no no please don't leave you don't have to go and 
I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, the only reason that I would, I would stay is to protect you and, and my sisters, you know, and, and there were so many other stories like this, um, not necessarily me having to fight my dad or hurting my dad, but more of the, of the case of just listening to all the, the verbal abuse that, uh, he, he did to my mom and saying some of the most hurtful things. It never really made sense. My dad's a, he, he's, he's Caucasian. My mom's Mexican. Uh, so that's why, you know, I'm, I'm half Mexican and half white, but his, his go-to was always, uh, pulling out the racial card and like, Oh, you dumb Mexicans, you wet bags, go back. You know, it's like, how the fuck does that wow. work? Like you're married, you're married to her. Your kids are half Mexican. So everything you're saying, you're like literally saying that against your entire family. Like, like who the fuck are you to, to say something like that when you're the one that fell in love with my mom at the beginning and who married my mom. And it just, it never made sense to me, you know? And Mm -hmm. there was just so many, so many instances like that. And I remember, and I, and I think where it all boils down to today is it's really made me, I guess I could step back and say that I was a lucky one because I know a lot of people who have gone through things like this uh, have ended up becoming that person, you know, because they didn't know better. That's all that they were presented as a child or, you know, that's all they witnessed. And, and I was really lucky because I had a really, really phenomenal group of friends that I'm still best friends with today that were always there for support. And so after seeing this, I always told myself, I will never treat a woman like this. I will never drink to the point where I am angry. Uh, I just, there were so many things that I told myself I will not do. And and honestly, I'm proud to say that I've really stuck to that. Like I, I'm not a big drinker. I, I social drink with friends, but I've never gotten to a point where I've ever been angry or aggressive towards anybody if anything like i don't know how because alcoholism actually runs on both my mom and my dad's side my mom doesn't drink so that was a blessing but you know my mom's uh, older brother passed away in 2011 i believe it was uh from alcohol and um her younger brother just passed away uh january 1st of this year uh due to uh, liver and kidney failure because of drinking and you know and so like I've, I have it on both sides and I don't know how I was so blessed I guess to be able to control myself when it comes to that because having it on both sides of my family you know you would think the odds would be against me and maybe they were but maybe witnessing what I have witnessed and and seeing what my sisters and my mom have gone through set aside my feelings and really concentrate on, on how they felt about it has really made me a better person and a better father. Because I told myself, I will never, ever treat my kids like this. Like there is no way I would ever put them through a scenario where they hear me beating on their mom or, or using the language to the point of where I'm just belittling her to the point of, of, nothing to mush you know what i mean like mm-hmm. every married couple has has their arguments and, and and we you know i'm definitely guilty of having arguments with my wife but i i have never 
I don't I don't do name calling. I I will never call my wife a bitch. I will never use that kind of language. Um, and believe me, I, I'm not trying to sound like I'm perfect, but and there are times that I, I have wanted to say those things. You know, I mean, when when you're in the heated moment, like there right. are, yeah, sure. you know, <laughs> you say things that you re- regret later, and um, and I guess I've just been. I want to say lucky because it could have been, it could have slipped out at any time, but I've really just been kind of lucky that I've I've held back enough to to say nope. No matter how pissed I am, like I'm not gonna say something that's gonna really put a damper on my marriage. And I think that with the way it's affected me, me personally, like beyond how I treat people or my family, is so for people who don't know me. My wife and I are in a combined family, so we both came with three kids from previous marriages, and we have one together. Now, the way I parented my children and the way she parented her children were completely different, which is, which is you know, normal. Uh, so mm-hmm. when her kids kind of came into the picture, you know, they were used to shutting the cabinets harder than than I normally would, or closing the door a little bit harder, like the garage door, how it's, it's spring loaded. So basically I've always, uh, I always shut it. I grab the handle and shut it slowly and just kind of let it shut where they just come in and it'll, you know, slam behind them. And, and I automatically go back to all of those, uh, instances where I heard the slamming, you know, it's a form of PTSD to be completely honest. It's, you know, if, if something breaks, uh, I, I, I don't get mad, but I, I, I get, I get nervous. I'm like, what, what happened? You know, like what's going on? Because I automatically think of the times where my dad decides to come in at three in the morning and is upset that his dinner's cold that we had at six o'clock and throws it across the room and, and shatters, you know, the plates or the, the cups and the, or whatever the case, you know? And, um, so, and I feel really bad because I'm like, guys, close the door quietly or come on, like close the cabinets quietly. And it's not their fault. You know, they don't know what I've been through. And I, I, I I try to explain everything that I've been through, but I don't care who you are. If you haven't gone through something like that, you will never know the true feeling of what that person feels. I guess in my case, like they will never know what I went through as far as like the feeling, you know what I mean? I could tell them and then they could feel sympathetic, but the actual feeling when you're in that kind of situation they they don't know. And so I can't get mad at them about it, but it, it really does trigger me. And sometimes I just have to, I guess, take a step back and walk away and, and just kind of let myself calm down. And like I said, I don't get angry, but I, I just, I just feel all those feelings um, come back to me, you know, and I, and I start remembering all the, the situations and it, it sucks. Like it really does. Like, I've been, uh, I've actually, and I want to thank you guys for this, to be completely honest, because uh, just hearing your guys' story and and knowing everything that you guys have gone through, and then hearing how therapy has really helped you guys in a lot of ways, like, I never really thought about going to therapy. I never thought that something like that would help maybe cure something that has been in my life for so long, but but because of you guys, like I, I have been researching uh, different therapists and, and, 
and places around where I live to possibly go on or go there and and uh, and see what maybe they can help me with. And, and I guess uh, how do I want to put it? I guess prove me wrong that I cannot be cured. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I actually might be able to shed some light on a few things for you. Um, so when you said like, so when you have childhood trauma, like this is my jam. This is like what I'm into right now. Um, when you have childhood trauma, you have fight, flight, fawn, and freeze. So you have the freeze. You get scared, nervous. That's what that is. And you flight. You run away to go calm down. So those... I would rather have those two than any fucking thing else. <laughs> those those are amazing. Um, not amazing to have, but those are, the I think, the better of the four. So the fawning would be something that I sometimes do. So now that me and Jeremy are, are on our healing path and we don't blow up anymore, both of us kind of fawn sometimes because we've grown up and we've been in this pattern of people blowing up and chaos. And I have been for 36 years. Like I just separated myself from my family completely. So fawning is you are like walking on eggshells, catering, like sucking up, being super nice to make sure that person doesn't blow up. But a lot of times we don't have to do that. And then we'll like kind of look at each other like, I'm okay. Like, are you okay? Mm -hmm. So that's like the fawning. Like we're really making sure everybody's okay. And then the fight, that's what me and Jeremy, unfortunately, that was our main one that we needed to get control of. So you compartmentalize trauma events in your neurological system. So it's your nervous system that's remembering all these things when the cupboards close. Um, our therapist gave us something that was nice to work on and it's to remember that we need to work on our triggers because it's not our spouse's job or our kid's job to walk around our triggers. We need to learn. So maybe now that you know that that is a trauma and that's why you get nervous, maybe you can try talking to yourself, talking to inner Kevin and letting him know that he's safe. So as soon as you hear that cupboard close, Tell yourself, and you can even put your hand on your heart. You don't have to tell the kids and the family what you're doing. Put your hand on your heart and just say, I am safe. I'm safe. And you'll feel yourself calm down. It's been a huge help. Um, when people used to break things in our household, I would get this horrible heat build inside of me. And I'd be like, what the fuck? That's what my mom used to do. I got that from my mom. And now that anger is gone. I don't have that heat anymore. I don't have that reactions anymore. And it took practice to realize that's what it was. But now now that I know everything and I'm awakened to that, it's gone. It's the coolest thing. Yeah, like your your story, Kevin, I mean, almost identically mirrors my childhood. My my dad was an angry drunk. He was a cop that got away with everything, always warnings. Um, when we would call, my mom didn't drink. She tried to be what's known as like the Jesus freak, but the difference between us. And I actually, I actually I just, you. I actually yeah. just gained more respect for you as a person because I know you say, well, I'm one of the lucky ones because you know, I didn't turn into an alcoholic or I didn't beat my wife or anything. It's, it's not luck. Um, 
what it is, is you are strong enough to stand with your beliefs, your morals, and you even set boundaries. You don't even know it, but as a kid, you set boundaries and you're like, hey, you know what? You're not going to touch my mom. You're not going to touch me. You're not going to touch my sisters. And you stood by it. The difference is me. I tried standing up to my dad multiple times and we kept getting turned down. We couldn't get help because he was a cop, you know? So I turned into what she said. I started fawning. I started people pleasing. Um, My mom or us, we would get beat if he would come home and there's a dirty dish in the sink or his laundry wasn't put up or something. And so I would go around as a little kid and my mom thought I was just a little angel doing it because I was just a good little boy. Hell no, I didn't want to get hit. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to see my mom get hit. So I would go do the dishes. I would go do laundry. And I respect you, Kevin. That that is amazing. Now, the oh. other, I was going to ask you about, you know, your friends or how it affected your school or anything like that. But you said you had a strong support system with friends. And that is another thing that a lot of people lack and mm -hmm. why they can't fight through something like this is because they don't have that support system. And I commend you for holding those friendships. And has there been any time growing up where it caused you to rebel or break the law or, or like do anything towards the path of your father or have you always felt pretty strong and resistant against your father's yeah path? i mean honestly that kind of falls back on the support i had with my friends i mean i've never not once have i ever been in trouble with the law i've i have one ticket that i got when i was 16 and that was a failure to yield you know what i mean like <laughs> i've been i i have just i don't know i i guess it's uh i never felt a need to rebel because i guess when i was with my friends i guess the furthest i've gone as far as re being rebellious with my friends is you know we were a bunch of skate skaters you know in high school and so Every now and again, you know, we'd be skating in the parking lot or at Taco Bell and be grinding on the, the curves and, and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the the manager would come out and yell at us and tell us to leave. And, and, you know, we would just be smart asses with them. But, I mean, it never turned into the cops being called on us. It never turned into us being uh, destructive to any private property or anything like that, you know. And I, as far as school goes, I think... I didn't really have the drive my freshman through, I guess, my junior year. And then senior year, it really it really hit me because all of my best friends that I'm talking about, other than, other than one, like we were the only two that had to completely go through a full day um, and the full year of, of, of high school in our senior year whereas the rest of my friends got to graduate at semester. And so that, yeah. So like it went from me being able to hang out with my friends every day in school and in between classes to I'm now alone while they're out there hanging out together. And, and so I, you know, I would just walk around with my headphones on and, you know, I knew a lot of people, you know, I didn't grow up in like a huge town. I think I was in a class of like, I want to say like 300 people or something, but this, the whole school had maybe like 1200 kids and, and I not, I'm not trying to, I guess, gloat or anything. I, I was pretty popular. Like I, I knew a lot of people and I was well liked in high school. And, uh, 
but it just didn't feel the same. Like I had, I knew I had acquaintances, but they weren't like my close friends, you know? So I would find myself like, okay, they're doing well. They're going to be successful. I want to be successful too. So that's when I really stepped up my game and ended up graduating uh, high school with a 4.0. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. I, I just have always had a really good judgment of character when it comes to the people I choose to have in my life. And I don't know how, and maybe it's because I want to think that it's my personality as well. And, and maybe, you know, they are attracted to good people as well. And that's why they ended up being friends with myself. And I've just been really lucky. I guess I know earlier you said, you know, luck has nothing to do with the, that part. And, and I guess I may have worded it but wrong, but the way you said it was really the way I was trying to say it. Like, I, I, I knew I was strong-willed, and I knew that I would never allow myself to get to a point where I was like him. So, yeah, that part wasn't, I guess, luck. I knew it was strong-willed, but I guess I was lucky in the, in the point of being strong enough to maintain that uh, – that drive and, and that, I guess, sustainability as far as how to control myself, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm actually doing like a, a poll, like my own research on everyone that we have on. Do you know if you were a easy baby to soothe or were you a fussy baby? According to my mom, I was the easiest kid, easiest okay. baby ever. So with the research that I've been doing, um, so say you and your sister have the exact same traumatic experience, okay? So do you guys have the same temperament now as adults, or are you guys completely different? One of my sister, my youngest sister and I are very much alike. Uh, I think we, I guess I want to say, and I believe that we took after, I guess, my mom and her personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, the middle sister, she, she doesn't get violent and she's not, uh, verbally abusive, but her mentality and the way she presents herself is very much like my father. So it's really hard. I'll be honest. It's really hard to get along with her. It's, uh, you know, cause I see so much of my dad in her and she'll, I mean, she hates my dad or I shouldn't say hate. She dislikes my dad because of what he put all of us through. But when it comes to personality, she definitely um, mirrors him. So with the research that I've seen, it's showing that the ones that like the babies that are easier, they have like maybe a better nervous system or a strongest or a stronger nervous system or something. So I'm trying to like gather research. So I don't know. I, I haven't got to, I don't speak to my mom anymore. So I don't know. I can't remember if I was a fussy baby or not. Um, but I think I was more of like on the fussy side and I've always been very hard to soothe, but I never had a parent that knew how to self-soothe themselves. So mine was always, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like, why can't you just calm down? Like I never got that. So now I'm just now learning at 36 how to soothe myself, which I've gotten there now, but um, anyway, so I'm through everyone that we talk to, I'm going to be taking research because supposedly um, you can handle things a lot better. And that's why two people are going to be different is because their nervous systems are made up completely different than the person okay. next to you. So that's why I asked. Right. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious. So 
at 19, you said that, okay, I'm going to get out of the house. And you still speak as if your dad's around. So what was the turning point or do you still have a relationship with him? And if so, how do you manage that relationship and keep, you know, his bullshit distance if he's still acting that way? It's funny you bring that up, actually. So uh, I guess to rewind, like I, I moved out literally within a week after graduating high school. Like I was like, I'm out. You know what I mean? Like I needed my independent so i graduated at 17 uh so uh i i I think i i think i might have had to wait till i was 18 but it was you know a month a month and a half before i turned 18 after i graduated uh so i moved out very quickly after uh, high school and so to go even further with with the story in 2008 i had my first son and i was married no, no, I'm sorry. I was engaged. I wasn't married yet. And I remember going to a concert and I was, you know, my ex-wife and I were, were living together and, you know, we had our son and I remember getting a call at like three in the morning. I had just gotten home from that concert and basically my, my dad was so drunk and that he was actually having a conversation on the phone with one of his girlfriends that my mom didn't even know he had like the whole time he was accusing her. He was really the guilty party. And he was, you know, trying to convince my mom to speak to this other woman on the phone, like completely. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh so goodness. at that point, well, yeah. And at that point it turned right. Like my mom was no longer sympathetic for anything of him. And, and then it turned into a violent situation again. And my sister called the cops and that actually resulted in him being arrested that night. And my mom filing a restraining order, and then that turned into a pretty nasty divorce. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, my dad, okay, and I, I do want to say this, my dad has always been very successful. He got into IT very, very young and at an age where computers and computer systems were kind of being introduced as a uh, a main source in, in in everybody's life, I guess. So him getting into that early turned into that experience being very successful for him and and making a lot of money. So my dad was doing really well. And because of this divorce and everything, I mean, he was forced to give up half of his possessions, which he, in my, in all reality, he should, you know, I mean, that's the way marriage works. right? Right. And my mom, she never worked. She, her job was to take care of the family at home. She took care of us kids and, so ever since then, out of all three of uh, of us siblings, I'm the only one that ever really tried to maintain a relationship. And I tried several times. And it was only because, you know, no matter, I guess in my head, no matter what somebody does, I don't think that they deserve to be forgotten, I guess, you know. And, and that's exactly what my sisters and my mom did. Like, nope, no longer in our lives. And so, you know, my dad didn't have anybody else. I mean, yeah, he he was messing around, but those weren't really relationships to where, you know, he had someone to turn to. That was, uh, you know, you know, his San Francisco fuck fest or whatever you want to call it, you know, because he would travel. He was saying he was traveling for, for work, but in all reality, he was going and visiting these women. So I always tried to maintain a relationship somewhat like it, it was always like 
I wanted to be a part of his life while he was sober. If he was drinking, I wanted nothing to do with it. And after all of that happened, uh, he moved out of state. And while trying to maintain that relationship, it was constant. I mean, constant phone calls at all hours of the night while he was drunk, leaving voicemail after voice. Like, literally, I would go to bed and... and uh, I would purposely silence my phone because, you know, just in case somebody called. But I would wake up and have when I went to bed, I had zero voicemails. When I'd wake up, my my voicemail box was completely full. And then it was just like nonstop text. And it was it was constantly like, oh, your mom, this her family, stupid Mexicans, like she took everything. You know, Uh, I I was homeless and all this shit. And it's like, you know, if there's one thing that I have taken from all of this is especially going through a divorce myself i would never ever put my kids uh in a situation where they have to hear about mine and their mother's uh you know arguments or or disagreements or drama whatever you want to call it and it was just non-stop of that you know so i would block him and then time would go on time would go on and then i would reach out to him be like a just basically checking because I, I didn't even know if he was alive. You know what I mean? Like no one else had contact with him. So I would basically, you know, the sympathetic side of me would be like, well, I'm gonna reach out to him and, and see if if he's at least alive. And, you know, it was always, Yeah, I promise I won't call anymore. Please unblock me. I won't I won't I don't drink anymore. And then it would just go back to the way it was. And then I would block him again. And the reason I said this is funny you bring this up is because I haven't spoken to I hadn't spoken to him for about two years and I had him blocked. And then when uh, my uncle passed away on January 1st of this year, when I showed up to the viewing and the, the rosary, there was a, a big bouquet of flowers up next to his casket and I read the card and it was from my dad and I was like, holy shit. Like that. I was actually super impressed by that. And, and, and actually because he, he was very close to my uncles. Yeah. He talked a lot of shit and, and yes, they, they had their arguments when they drank, but all in all, they grew up together. They were friends at some point, you know, and they always had some sort of respect for each other, even though, you know, it it never really showed, but you know, as, as you know, it was just like an un, unshowing uh respect for one another but i was really happy to see that and it made me feel i guess kind of good so i ended up calling him uh just in the past three weeks and uh you know i just basically said you know i just wanted to call and and thank you it actually meant a lot because i I was super close to my uncle like he's the only uncle i could say that i was really really close to you know so it was really hard this one was really hard and he was so young i mean or your dad's side yeah and that's why i was impressed because it it, it was my mom's side mm-hmm. and and this one was this one was really hard like i was saying and and so i just wanted to thank him because it meant a lot to see that he cared enough to at least acknowledge that he still had you know a love and respect for for my uncle and during the conversation i had with him when i called him to thank him he he was sober and you know, he proceeded to tell me, yeah, I quit drinking. I quit, you know, all this. I'm remarried. You know, I found out I have a, 
I have a 13 year old sister and I have like a, a three month old brother. I just found this out and he is, yeah, crazy. So my, 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 my five-year-old daughter has a, a three-month-old uncle, which is pretty crazy. But um, so I found all this out, you know, and he's like, you know, I promise you no more late phone calls. You know, I just want to be able to text you photos and I want to be able to text you. And I will say he has stuck to the non-calling part. But when it comes to him saying he quit drinking, other than he said he'll have, you know, a glass of wine here and there on a, on a Saturday night. Uh, but I'm getting texts every other night of random rant stuff, like random things. And uh, so I could tell, like I could always tell the difference between a sober text and a drunken text when it comes from him. I don't even have to hear him, you know, just the words that he would use uh, in the text messages indicated that he was drinking and I could tell that. So it's kind of been up and down with that. Um, I haven't blocked him yet, but I've also, when I, when I start getting the hundreds of text messages, I just don't respond back. And like, I'm like, oh, eventually it'll stop. You know, eventually he'll stop texting. He'll get the message. I, I just can't believe someone could just sit there and basically it's like they're talking to themselves, you know, like texting like, oh, look at this or look at that. And there was one night that he he really started getting back into the your mom this and your mom's family this and that and this and that. So yeah, I, sorry, that was a very long version of an answer to to your question. If my dad, but the the truth of the matter is that I, I I'm trying. You know, I I still continue to try. I just really hope more than anything. And and I told him this personally. I said, you know, if if you really quit, if you really did quit drinking and you quit smoking like you said you did, you know, if you're lying, that doesn't affect me. You know you're, you're only hurting yourself, you know? And, you know, I just watched my uncle die from drinking too much. So you drinking every night, if, if you're still doing that, you're killing yourself. You're not hurting anybody but yourself. So lying to me, you're not making me like happier or anything like, yeah, I'm happy if you are sober and taking better care of yourself. But if you're lying and not doing that, then that doesn't affect my life. It's not killing me. You're killing yourself. You know, so I, I I was hoping that would go through and get through to him. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, that that ship, that shit's poison. You know, I, I'm so glad I was never an alcoholic. It was just, you know, it was one of those things. It's like, OK, yeah, yeah. And I just I just sat there and, you know, nodded with my mouth, basically just agreeing with him to to kind of, uh, I guess, give him that satisfaction. But um, but, yeah, I'm trying. I mean, it's it's really hard to maintain a relationship when all they really want to talk about is, is what the other person did wrong. I mean, God, it's been 15 years since they divorced. It's like, why bring this up anymore? You're remarried. You know, you're why, you know, what's the point? Like I've been through a divorce and I don't call everybody all hours of the night to tell them, Oh, well she did this and she did that. Like, no, I've, I've remarried. I've moved on with my life. And you know, we have children together and, and that's about, that's about as far as our relationship goes. And, and, and that's all it needs to be. And I just wish at some point he will, I guess, see that and, and maybe he won't. And it doesn't sound like he will, but uh, I guess I always just have that hope that he will be sober and, and get completely sober so I can have that good relationship. Because in all honesty, when he's sober, he's a fantastic person. He's a really great person. 
he truly is but it's the moment you know that that alcohol it's for him it's almost like a it's almost bipolar i mean it's you know as soon as he gets that poison in his system he's completely he's a completely different person but when he's sober you know i can have and maintain a a conversation with him and and have some laughs and everything but after he has some drinks it's it's not like that so you know for his sake i really hope and for his new wife's sake and his new child's sake i hope they don't have to go through what what me and my sisters and my mom did you know i am sorry that you had to go through this and hell it sounds like you're still going through you know some of it it's it's calmed down some but our prayers go out with you and your sisters and your family um but to add to that we're proud of you right now like here you are you're you're still alive you made it this is the first time that you shared this story how do you i mean how do you feel right now i do you know it's a little relieved i guess uh I feel relieved and it's nice to to share my story with with two people who have gone through rough patches in their life, whether it be with themselves or with a parent. And I think the only thing, the other, other, oh, I'm sorry, the only other emotion that I'm really feeling is a little bit of nervousness only because like, like I said, I, I try, I never want to hurt anybody. You know what I mean? So, like, I guess the nervousness is really if he stumbles across this podcast and hears it, like, I don't really care that he knows how I feel, but I do care if his, if it, if, if it hurts him um, emotionally, you know, like, I, I don't want, you know, I don't want him to be depressed because, because of what I've said here today. And, and, and that was not my point. That was my, you know, and that, that that's never my intention. It was all really just to be able to share my experiences and what I've what I've gone through. So if he does stumble across this and you are listening, then just know that it was never my intent to come on here to expose you in a negative way and and make you. Uh, I don't even know how to put it. I don't want. I guess it was never my intent to. If you do hear this, to hurt you emotionally. I just uh, I needed to get this off of my chest and, and know that all I really want is for him to get better, you know, and, and have a happy life because I think every person deserves a happy life. Now, there are instances, you know, where you won't people won't get that if they've hurt children or murdered somebody and, and they're going to spend the rest of their life in jail. But other than those cases, I do think that uh, in relationship wise, if if it has ended and ended badly and you can't move on from it, you know, I just hope that someday you'll be able to find that balance to at least go on and make a better life for yourself and, and the person you're with now and, and, and the friends you're with or family, whoever it is, you know, and that, and that's really, that's really what it is for me. Right. No, I agree. And this podcast, just like you said, this podcast isn't to call out your arch nemesis or to get on here and to blast your ex. That's, that's not what we are. This is about surviving your own mind. Yeah. Uh, this is about your story. And I used, I used to feel the same way. And sometimes I still do when I talk about family members that are still actually pretty close to me, but I keep telling myself and going through treatment and healing is you got to remember that this is your story. If 
if they have a side of the story that they want to share, then they have every right to share their side of the story. And if somebody gets mad at your story, then more than likely they were guilty to be a part of that story, and they're just upset. Um, and they have they have every right to feel however they want to feel, but you just got to remember that it's okay to share your story. That's the problem with mental health today is by sharing our story, we're afraid to hurt other people. And I totally get that. We just want to clear the stigma on mental health. And we want people as a stepping stone right now, like you said, you've been researching, looking at therapists. This is kind of like a stepping stone. And this is what we want is you guys to feel comfortable with sharing your story. That doesn't mean putting everybody on blast, but sharing your story. And I know that we definitely would love for you to come back on after you know you've gotten into therapy or treatment and after time because I would love to catch up with you and, and really talk about the difference and see the difference. Mm-hmm. So like the, the stigma for me is people don't talk about their past because they they feel like they're going to do the person wrong, but that's not the way that we need to look at it. If for us to heal, you have to feel that. So all these people that keep all of these, sexual assaults and abuse and emotional abuse and everything and they don't tell a soul you can never heal from that because you're never going to get validation because you're not learning how to validate those things that was absolutely horrible how you grew up kevin horrible you should never had to have stuck up for your mom your sisters never had to put your own hands on your own father and to see how successful you are this is why we wanted to have you on what did Kevin go through and he is still so successful and so driven and part of your story is, is a key thing I want people to understand. You said in call or in high school, excuse me, that my friends are successful right now. I'm going to be successful. You have always had a very positive self-talk and that is why you were driven and I want you and our viewers to know that. You have to have a positive self-talk because if your friends would have left and you would have been like, damn, I'm a fucking loser. I'm not going to be able to do this. This sucks. You would have just went into a spiral, but you didn't. Mm-hmm. You you freaking took off and you have always had that positive self-talk. And I think it's because you have a, a positive relationship with your mother. You have had this this woman figure in your life that, and I don't. you didn't get to speak a whole lot on her. So if you would like to, you're welcome to. But was she like a positive one and was very like reassuring and wanted you to, to follow your dreams and very encouraging? My mom is the person that just wants us to be happy. So she would never put down something that we wanted. Uh, I, one particular moment I will always remember is Uh, And I've shared this story with you guys before, but after college, I decided to pack up my my car and move to L.A. I didn't have a job in in line uh, when I was going out there. I didn't even have a place to stay. And I remember my mom not wanting me to go only because she would miss me and and was worried about, you know, if I guess she didn't want me to struggle. You know, she didn't want me to go out there and 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 say I didn't find a job or say I didn't find a place to live. And, and I think that was just a, 
a motherly instinct. I think any mom would be like that. <clears throat> but um, she she was okay with she didn't want to let me go, but she was okay with letting me go because she knew that was what I wanted. And and the only way that it would happen is if I actually went and did it, you know, and experienced it on my own. And and she's yeah, and she's still like that today. I mean, awesome. she, she it's funny. She's always very positive about the podcasting world and but she does she's never listened she doesn't like she doesn't she doesn't really understand what a podcast is and, and she's always like oh do you have a broadcast tonight like it's always a broad and uh you know and, but yeah it is and it's so funny it's just <laughs> so cute she's just such a kind kind-hearted person and you know to go along with everything that happened with my dad you know he he's he's correct in the point of Everybody, there's always two sides to every story, uh, but I think the difference in this case is my mom chooses not to involve us kids in the wrong that he did and what she did, whereas he does. You know, he always likes to point the finger, and that's what drives us away. You know, I think if he if he was more positive on the now instead of the past, it would the everybody's relationship with him would be completely different, you know? Well, Lee, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Do you know anything about your dad's past on how yeah, he I mean, how he is? Not, and I know my, my grandfather was a, a big drinker, uh, and I know he was also uh, verbally and physically abusive, and I know that uh, my my aunt, she, I'm, I'm trying, she had, there was schizophrenia, but there was also something else that she dealt with. Uh, she was in a house fire when she was really young, so she was burned severely bad, or severely, not severely bad, but severely, and uh, that that caused a lot of mental issues for her. And so my dad was was kind of the one to step up and, and help take care of her. And I think the way he dealt with his stress was – uh, drinking, you know, and, and just like his, his dad and maybe he just took, you know, after his dad in that case, but, um, or in that, in that instance, but, um, I think his upbringing was, I don't think he was ever abused. He probably witnessed a lot of, a lot of abuse. Um, and then he was, I know his parents got, uh, divorced when he was really young. So going back and forth to different households where in my story, you know, I was already old enough to where, when my parents got divorced, I already had a family, so it didn't affect me, I guess, like it does a child, you know, where they're having to go back and forth into two different homes. Right. Um, so maybe that sparked something or that ignited something in him that uh, made him the person he is today. Right. Yeah, I mean, that that sounds terrible. And the how I have healed and how I have gotten so compassionate is – I used to be like kind of stuck in this, gosh, like, why is this happening to me? And why did I get a mom like you? And why did I get this? And why did I get that? And why am I broken? And blah, blah, blah. But then I figured out and I started like thinking about how people are the way they are. And now I just kind of like, wow, you are the weather and there's nothing anybody can do. You are who you are because of what has happened to you. And we can either choose to have those people in our life or we can choose not to have those people in our life. And I look up to you, Kevin, because 
I will not deal with any more verbal or emotional abuse from mm-hmm. anybody in my family. I don't care who it is. Um, I even had a cousin try to reach out to me recently and they told me, why am I being fucking weird and go check their profile? And, and I can be fucking weird if I want to and ask you who the fuck you are. Like, don't come ask to be my friend in two years and I haven't talked to you. So I just, I just asked them like, well, when was the last time I spoke to you? And that weirded them out. But apparently they don't know that we have almost a million followers, you know, together. And so to me, I think it would be a little more weird me not asking who you are and become friends. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But I mean, it's just, I'm really into like figuring out why people are the way they are. And, you know, that's just really awesome that you keep trying and I don't want you to ever get hurt again. So just think of your dad as the weather and we can always just hope for the best. But a lot of times that generation and the generational trauma that they went through, they don't know how to stop it. And um, I know that I will never be able to help my mom. And that's, yeah. I mean, I feel that same way. I, I know that I, I, there's nothing, there's no more I could say or do to, to, uh, make him a better person or a sober person, you know, and I've, I've tried, but I've, I've come to the realization he's the only one that, that is capable of transforming his life for the better, you know? Right. You can't, you can't save the ones who don't want to be saved. But like Carrie said, you had all this positive Mm self-talk. And like I mentioned earlier, growing up, how strong you were setting boundaries So with these boundaries and this positive self-talk that you probably didn't even realize you were doing until now, um, you're highly, I mean, you're successful now. Your your positive self-talk, pushing you through education, fighting to go down the right path. I mean, you're the owner of a production company for podcasts. Hell, you're what, the host for at least two podcasts. Um, I think you were working on a radio show at last time we talked. You have so much going on in your life for the for for positive. I mean, go ahead. Yeah, honestly, it's just uh, I think I've reached a point to where I'm realizing with close people passing away, like close people to to me, or that are passing away, and especially at a younger age, you know, it's like life goes too quick, and I don't want to be at that point where it's my time to go and I have to tell myself I should have tried this or I should have went for this. You know, I want to, you know, it's funny cause exactly. you know, we have a pretty good relationship, uh, all three of us here and, um, you know, we're, we're really good friends and, and Jeremy, you tease me quite a bit about, uh, having, you know, seven jobs or, or whatever the case, you know, and, and it's, and it's true, but <laughs> the reason behind that is because I always want to make sure that I'm able to not only provide for my family, but to work towards doing the stuff that I really dream of. I mean, when if I can put towards, you know, put effort towards my new company or my podcast or uh, something that I just really want, and I, I really feel like I have the ability to do it. I, I believe that if you put your time and the work into whatever you want, it, it will eventually happen. And I think that that's why I work so many jobs because I know eventually all this time, effort, money, 
everything that I'm putting towards this is going to pay off to a point where that's going to be my only job. And, it, and, it, and, and, you know, I don't even want to call it a job because, you know, the saying goes, well, yeah. And, and it's your dream. Yeah, and the, and, right. Yeah, and the saying goes, dream. it's amazing. Right. If you're doing something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And, and I can't say that I've never worked a day in my life, but I do, when my time comes, I do want to say that, uh, I'm doing something I loved or I did something I loved, you know? So, and, and that's why I do so many jobs. Yeah. It's time consuming. And yeah, it takes a lot of, a lot of time away from other things that I, you know, sometimes I feel like I want to do, but I think it, in the end, it'll, it'll pay off and benefit not only myself, but my entire family and, and my friends, because I, I'm definitely one. And I've, I've told you guys, you guys this before, and I, I've told all my close friends that I've re referenced it earlier in my story that once I make it, they all make it, you all make it, you know, like, cause I'm, you know, I, I want, I want us all to be successful in whatever it is. And if I can help in any way with that, whether it be spawning from my success, if I can help somebody else accomplish their dream, then, uh, that's another huge accomplishment that I can fulfill in my life because I just, I don't want to be that person that, Oh yeah, I have, I'm more successful than you. I I make more money than you. I, it's not about that. It's about, you know, it's about the people you love and it's about the people who are a big part of your life and have inspired you and, and have made that effect on your life. So why not give back and, and help them out and, and do whatever I can to make them successful too. Even if they get more successful than I am, that to me, that's, that's okay. Like, you know, I've always had that mentality, even, even in my workplace, you know, it's like, if I've been a manager, if I've been a supervisor, it's like, I tell anybody that has that drive to want to become that position that I am currently in. It's like, if you, you know, I will teach you everything I know. And if you could take my position for me, heck yeah, good for you. You know what I mean? Like that, that, mean, that means you've, You've shown that you're, mm -hmm. you want it more than I do. So I guess, um, yeah, and that's just kind of how my mind is. And, yeah. and I'm just like dumbfounded. Like <laughs> I, I've never had a positive like all growing up. Like I've always been in a very, very critical environment, and even with my ex, very, very critical environment, and it was very toxic. Like I wasn't nice back, you know. Very, it's, it's just I'm just dumbfounded. Like how. Like I, I'm finally now at 36 can have what you have had your whole life. And I just, I just wish I had it so much longer. Cause I have so much more work to do to keep being positive. Cause there's some days that I want to give up, like, but then I have to remember, like, I've never dreamed. Like I didn't know what I, I still used to joke and be like, I didn't know what I want to be when I grow up, but it's because I had no sense of self and I'm still, you know, going through my healing and learning but what I realized is I like to joke around and mm -hmm. have fun and and make jokes and I don't know, just be me. And I don't have to have something to grow up to. Like I, I don't know, like right. No, I absolutely agree. And Kevin, your mentality is exactly what we're trying to share on here because you grew up witnessing just like numerous people in this world. Basically you were living in a nightmare growing up. But with your mentality and your drive to move forward on the right path, 
you turned your nightmare into a dream, right? But the key word that you said is it takes hard work, mm -hmm. hard work. You turn that nightmare from a dream and that dream to a reality and action. We applaud you. We applaud you because you could be on both sides of the coin. You could be a lonely, miserable alcoholic and die alone, or you could be highly successful and rich as can be and still die alone. But your mentality of let's dream together, let's build together. That is absolutely amazing. And I mean, I wish I had that growing up. I know, me too. And I'm slowly getting to the point of where you are. And I want to say thank you because you have been honestly a friend I've never had my whole entire life. Aww. And it's hard for me to reach out or, or to message you. Um, but that's due to my own issues that I deal with, not to you. But when I do... I feel I feel trust and I feel comfortable talking with you and we can't thank you enough for everything that you've done for us on our side. I know that you're helping us by coming on our show and sharing your story for this first time, but I don't I don't want you guys to look at it that way. I want this to be for you. I yeah, want Yeah, like look at look at know? someone that grew up a certain way, but because of his mindset is so successful and that's what the kind of stories we want to keep sharing on here and how people got there and it's what i believe in it's your mindset you mm -hmm. had a positive mindset and you never gave up and it, you're just very inspiring and i'm so glad that i have a positive mindset now because holy <laughs> shit <laughs> absolutely i mean guys it, he he's funny he's kind-hearted if you get in his friend circle I'll cut you I out mean, because there's yeah, I mean, nobody it, else there's can take fight. Kevin away from us, okay? <laughs> like every time we introduce somebody to Kevin, they're like, oh, look, no, Kevin but and the, I'm her best friend. He's mine. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Kevin, I, jo I joke around about it all the time, you know? Oh, you work seven jobs. How do you have time for this? How do you have time for that? But it's an honest question because you do work so hard and you do have your own family and you are successful, but you don't skip a beat if somebody asked you for help you're i mean you're always there and you didn't get that growing up so where'd you get your time management you're amazing you, <laughs> i'll be honest time I, management like i didn't i haven't always had that you know i think it was um once i started that the podcast that TikToking uh, about a year and a half ago now and you know that was about the time frame i reached out to you guys and I didn't know where it was going. I, I I knew it had potential to become something because one, I listen I like religiously would listen to podcasts and and just soak it all in and, and these successful podcasts and hear how they go about their interviews and how they they talk to people and and the conversations that they have. And so I had known that what I was the idea that I had was kind of one of a kind because nobody was really speaking to all of these social media creators. But at the time it was more of, this is just something fun for me to do. And it still is, but I didn't know that it was going to turn into something so much more, or at least have the potential to get to the point where I'm at and 
Oh, so this wasn't a dream. So well, a year and a half ago, I mean, this wasn't a dream of yours. I attempted a podcast in 2018 uh, with my wife, and because of, and be, well, no, 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 and and it was not. It, it was fantastic. Like I, I loved it. But when you have young children, it was really hard to find time where both of us can step away and mm, yes. and record something, especially because her and I are very different as far as our sleep schedules. Like she wants to be in pajamas and, and in bed at 730, whereas I like want to start. I, I really want to start getting into the nitty gritty at 730 at night because that's when the kids are going to bed. And, and that's when I have time to think and really concentrate mm-hmm. and, and put uh, my work in. But um, I think it was like 2017 when I really decided, hey, I've always wanted to be in the entertainment industry. I had my chance when I graduated college and moved out to L.A. and I was doing really well. But it wasn't my time because, you know, God had something else in store for me when, you know, the announcement of my son, my first son being born, or I should say my ex-wife being pregnant, surprisingly, like it wasn't it wasn't a planned thing. And we we weren't married. We were just we had a long distance relationship. And it just so happened that uh, one of our visits, you know, it it, it happened. And so when podcasting kind of came about, I started really listening. And I've always been a music guy, like I always had music on in the car. But then ever since I was introduced to podcasting, I can't tell you the last time that I had music playing in the car when I'm just by myself, it's always podcasts. And I really started my my creative side really just started going everywhere with it and, and thinking about what I could do. So I don't want to tell you that it wasn't a dream of mine. Um, but I do want to tell you that a year and a half ago, I wasn't planning on it being potentially my full time and only thing that I do for work. You know, I, I knew that it was it was fun. And, and I was meeting some amazing people and, and gaining new friendships. And I was cool with that. Like, if that's where it is, then that's where that's where it goes. And now that it's turning into what it is, it has allowed me, I guess, to make the time. You know, you ask me about my time management. It's like, it's not necessarily a time management thing for me. It's just, there's a lot of nights I only get two hours of sleep because I'm up all night trying to research the next person I'm having on or finding the next guest that I want to talk to or... I'm just amazed. (laughs) No, really. You and actually, I know Jeremy gives you a lot of shit about your seven jobs, but that's all this motherfucker does, okay? He's just up... he like was researching like one night he was researching how long it takes to get his pastor certification to get ordained. He was looking up how, what I could do. What else were you looking at that night? I mean, all kinds of stuff. Like that's all he does is research and, and information. Like you guys are Absolutely. so much alike. It cracks me up. Knowledge is power. But he, Right now he has a piece of paper that says that he can only make a certain amount because he's, you know, a disabled vet. So, you know, the government has chains on us. But he he does all this shit for free. Like he's a mentor for veterans for free. Like and he does all this shit for free. It just blows my mind. No, yeah. I mean, I don't even have my ad placement on on my podcast yet. I only withdrew money once from TikTok. I turned that off. It's completely free. Yeah, he's never made money from doing all of this stuff. I mean, he's built the the website. Like all of this stuff, he just does. 
for free. You guys are just so driven. I'm still lost as fuck. You're you're part of my, to my therapist. You're part week. of my you're part of my motivation on this though because I never once thought about podcasting until you. And then but that was because we were getting caught blocked like a motherfucker trying oh, to get yeah. our story out on TikTok cuz we were we were trying. We were trying to get our story out to help, you know, but we were just kept getting like cock blocked. Right. So Everywhere. after being cock blocked, I decided, well, okay, this platform you know, TikTok or whatever can be like our funny side relationships, you know, fun. And I was like, Kevin's got a podcast. I don't want to copy Kevin. What can I do? So I really, you know, dove into myself and I was like, well, this is my passion. I'm I'm here for a reason. Um, I survived two suicide attempts. There, There's got to be a reason why I'm here. And you really helped drive that creative side. Like you said, starting out with a podcast is kind of fun. It's like a hobby, right? And I enjoy it. And I thank you again for that. I mean, yeah, that's why I listen to his podcast all the time in the car now. Like I used to be a, mu- a music person, and now I'm like, ooh, let's listen to the Childhood yeah. Fairy today. Ooh, Mel <laughs> well, Robbins. And I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, um, <laughs> when I started my podcast, uh, it was about a year. So I had told you I, I had started that one with my wife, but it was very uh, un, unscripted and not really planned. It was just kind of like, let's wing it type of deal, you know? And, and it, well, and it, but to be honest, when you like have when someone <laughs> sitting right next to you that you can have a conversation with that you already know, it, it's, it, to me, it was really easy. But when I was moving into this podcast and had this idea, I knew that it was me by myself and I was inviting people to come on to my show. And so I had to be professional. I had to make it sound good. I had to, I had to go through the whole list to make sure that, that this, that the production is something that people would enjoy and feel comfortable coming on to. Because I mean, let's be honest, if if your show sounds like shit and and a guest comes on and you know, they're cutting in and out or they're, their gain is too high or whatever the case, like nobody's going to want to come on. No one's going to listen to that. So I studied an entire year of, um, on what equipment to get, how to do this, how to do that, all the the editing tools that I need to do the podcasting. And it took me, it took me that year to, uh, before I, I was in a position where I was comfortable enough to, ask somebody to come on because I felt like it, it, it sounded right. And that's, you know, hence the, the thing, even down to the theme song. I mean, you've heard my theme song, like, you know, I had that professionally produced so that it sounded good and it, it made people know that I was serious at what I wanted to do. And, and the point I'm trying to make with this is I don't want, if, if I have the knowledge of all this and I spent that year learning it, if you tell me as friends of mine, you tell me that you want to start a podcast. I'm not going to say, Oh, Hey, go do a year worth of research. Like I did. No, I, I don't want that. I want to be able to help you <laughs> and take that stress off of you because it was a lot. I mean, Holy shit. I, I don't even, I can't even tell you how I found some of the, 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 the videos and, and things that I did to, to get prepared for what um, the podcast was all about. But when, you know, when you told me you wanted to do this and you're like, I don't know what kind of equipment I need. I don't know. Well, I do because I have literally researched every single piece. And I could tell you if you're on a budget, I could still help you try to find something that 
is still going to give quality sound and give quality video. Or if you have an enormous budget, I could tell you the best equipment that to get. And I would rather me share that with my friends and watch them grow and, and, and do something that they're passionate about rather than me saying, nope, I had the podcast first, figure it out yourself like I did. I'm just not that kind of person. I, I definitely, that's why I think right. you and I, or I, I guess we're in a group text all the time, but we always, you know, reach out to each other as far as, you know, if you need something like, Hey, you know, I know I'm busy and I will get back to you. I know sometimes it takes a little bit longer than I would like it to, but I promise you that I, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I, I will get it done. And to go back to how you said I inspire you and motivate you, you guys were that for me too. And I'll be honest, like, here's my thing. When I got onto TikTok and I really started watching these TikToks, like, I'm, a, I'm a comedy guy. And I, as far as I could remember, you guys were the first like couple that I saw on TikTok that just really made me laugh and and had that relationship that I mean I, I'm don't get me wrong I'm very happy in my marriage but like because I, I don't want it to, no and I don't want it to sound wrong but I guess like <laughs> Your wife, the right. you two making content together is something I think is so cool because my wife she's just not she's just not into that like she's not a she's not a, a person that wants to be on camera all the time or or you know she she's very and I'm not going to say, I want to say shy. I'm going to say shy when it comes to that. Like, right. It's nerve wracking being in the world. Like that's what people don't understand. Like, like we used to get made fun of. They're like, I cannot believe you're on TikTok. It takes guts to post the shit that we post for the yeah. entire world. Cause you don't have a clue who's going to see it. Right. It's either going to get a flop or mm. you could get like, you know, 5 million views off of something that you had no yeah. idea. And you're like, oh, shit. Well, and you guys were one of my first big name uh, creators that I got. I mean, I, ha I had a few other ones that were, were big, but like you were very well known throughout TikTok. You know, everybody had at least seen a video of yours. Yeah. And, and, and that's why and it motivated me because I'm like, man, these guys are making the time and having fun and being hilarious and. And I don't know if you remember in Vegas, but I was, I'm very much a people watcher and, and I was paying very close attention to how you guys work together as far as creating your content. And I remember being in your hotel and we were all kind of getting ready to go to the award show. And I, I sat down on the couch. You're like, oh, hey, we're just going to make a TikTok really quick. And, and I remember thinking, I'm like, you know what? Like not many people would take the time and and make the effort to just take a second and make a TikTok when they know they have to be a, get ready and be at a, a you know an event in the next hour you know but it's like nope this is coming first like we're getting this done <laughs> and and that's what i'm saying and so you have motivated you have motivated me in a lot of ways and have really helped me see that you know i i'm i'm still small time you know what i mean like i, I really am especially when it comes to TikTok, like I constantly try to, I guess, manipulate my content to make it more appealing for people to watch or maybe just get noticed a little bit more. Uh, and, and so I, that's why I think I pay so much 
so much attention to you guys because your guys' stuff seemed to really just take off. No matter what you do, it just takes off. And I love that. And and that's a point where that's another goal of mine, you know, like I, I want to I want people to I don't want to say recognize me, but I, I want I want to be known as the person that makes others laugh. And I want to I want to be known as the person who made someone's day because I, I made a, a funny video or just a video in general. And like you guys do that. So you talk about me inspiring and motivating you, but you have that same effect on me. It's very true. Thank you. We appreciate that. Thank you. We um we've we've gone down different paths trying to figure out what our goal is with uh That's hard. You know, social media. But I think I think Carrie really stuck down the path of, you know, being a mental health advocate um with her page and and mine. I love I love showing that our relationship you can have fun together you can grocery shop together you can do your hair together it's okay that you know i shave my wife's armpits because she can't reach them you know i can't shit like that you know what i mean normal normal stuff that everybody does behind closed doors that they think is embarrassing that's what it's not i mean we all do it the only difference is is we don't give a shit. We put it on the internet <laughs> right. for the world to see. You know what I mean? And that I think that's why we've gotten so much feedback with with our TikTok is because we're just genuine and we just want to add a little light in this. Well, and I love it, man. I mean, have, I, you know? I'm going to tell you something. The thing I, I just I couldn't believe this, Carrie. When you were going through a rough time and you needed to step away from social media, there were there were a lot of people out there asking for some Jeremy and Carrie content and Jeremy to, <laughs> to, I guess, make light and still give that, uh, sense of, like, uh, satisfaction to, to people or I don't even know how to put it, but you would dress up in your wife's clothes and her high heels to say, you know, to kind of just put on the, the persona of, I'm going to play me and Carrie since Carrie needs that break. And dude, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't know that I could post myself in a dress. I, I think I, I would, I want to, I think it's hilarious and I would want to do that. I, <laughs> I think it's fantastic. But after I'm filmed myself doing some things, I'll, I'll criticize myself to the point where I'm like, not posting it. I'm not doing it. You know what I do, Kevin, when that happens? I fucking post it. I post it and I do not touch my phone for the rest of the night because we get stuck in that same shit of being critical. But I hope that I am sparking these larger creators because I'm noticing some of these larger creators are being a little more centric, a little more weird, a little more not so much put together. And I hope that I'm the one that's encouraging them to do that because we grew up with Instagram when we first got internet, right? And everybody was perfect. Everybody had to be absolutely perfect on Instagram or it, it can't be Instagram worthy, right? Mm -hmm. Fuck that. Like I want to make a TikTok with food sticking out my damn mouth and like my hair messed up, like just real shit. Like I was so tired and I get frustrated when my stuff doesn't go anywhere when they do block me because it does have to yeah. be perfect. I get tired of that. Like I just like to be me. All yeah. the time. Yeah. I think, it gets I, frustrating. I think these social media platforms are absolutely amazing for 
I mean, we already get enough of the rich and famous and the dolled up and dressed up through all the celebrities. And, and it's fun to watch, yes. Yeah, and the movies. But these social media apps are starting to turn into everyday people sharing everyday stories. And, I mean, even the ones where they make the videos getting dressed in the morning. I used to think that was silly. I'm like, how are you just going to sit there and brush your hair and put on makeup and you get like 200,000 views? But if you look at the big picture, what they're showing you, sure, they're trying to advertise whatever product they're using, right? But they're showing you a form of self-care. It's on a video for everybody to see it. But if that's what gets you to do self-care and to take care of yourself. And teaching other women to do it. Right. By all means. Fucking go do it. Go do it. I absolutely (laughs) agree. My therapist said something to us because... I dealt with a lot of shame for my family when we first got on TikTok because I was very, very vulgar, which I've always been kind of the vulgar girl, which it goes to the childhood trauma, which I found out through my therapist. You dress more provocatively, you are more vulgar, you you know do things without thinking, stuff like that. So that's kind of who I used to be. I've changed, you know, I've grown. Now I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? You were, you were saying how your therapist had, had mentioned to you. Oh, yes, my therapist. Okay, so we were talking about my therapist, and she said something to me, and she said, you know what? I've been a therapist for several, several years, and since TikTok started, don't feel bad, Carrie. I haven't lost one fucking patient since TikTok started. So she goes, and I go, yeah, but, but Robin, it used to be so bad. Like, I used to read stuff from the Derp, Urban Dictionary, and it was she started cracking up laughing. <laughs> She's like, that shit's fucking funny, Carrie. It's funny. You are funny and you save fucking lives and don't let anybody make you feel bad ever again. And I was like, well, damn. Thanks, Robin. Like, I never thought of it that way. I always had so much shame, but it was like, I was just trying to get through my fucking day too, you know? And if I made a million people laugh that day, then I did. And I don't need to feel bad for it. I never, you know, kind of how Jeremy, how you brought up you know, we're so used to the, the movie stars and the musicians and, and you know, the the very few people that have have gone um, have gotten to the point where they're just recognized everywhere. And I was so used to that. And so with TikTok, when it came around, I, I never understood the the social media fame. And I'll be honest, when when I actually uh, get on people's lives and when I got on your live and asked you for the first time and asked you to come on my podcast and you saw my my comment and you were like oh yeah i would love that you know reach out in a way i'll be honest it it was it was a starstruck moment for me because it was like i was like oh these guys these guys like they inspire and they so many people and they're followed by so many people like they're to me that was successful And, and so you guys are successful in that way and i was like this is fucking awesome like they're gonna come on to my show so it was a big moment for me and uh so like you guys have helped guide my my drive as well so uh yeah it's it's and i never in a million years well and i never no i was just gonna say in a million years i never thought that uh one i would have you on the podcast but two that we would actually become really good friends i never thought that would happen you know like i know like i don't think there's been a week in yeah. a year that we didn't talk except for when we were on the cruise but i bet yeah I bet we uh, spoke that week yeah, too. actually we did we did because uh <laughs> yeah because you guys had a uh, wi-fi 
but it was the service wasn't that great but every time you would get some service i think i had texted you and you would text me back but yeah it's just i, I just never thought um that that was going to be a possibility and it's happened so many times so far with people that i've i've uh i've had on my show definitely you guys are the ones that i talk to the most out of out of anybody but I, I just can't believe the relationships that I've built with some of the people that have been so successful on social media. And it's just really cool. Cause I'm hoping to be that person one day, you know, to, to, uh, have people think of me as, as, a uh, as an inspirational content creator or, or something along those lines where they want to come and they want to interview me because I'm this big, you know, this star in their eyes, you know what I mean? Like I want to feel that one day and, and uh, you guys have definitely, I think, made that uh, a possibility for myself, having me on this show, and and uh, and hopefully, hopefully, I'll follow in your guys' footsteps when it comes to um, getting getting video content out there that people love watching. Well, we already think that you're as big as what you want to be, because I mean, you've you've interviewed some really big people, and hopefully, you'll start to see that because. I mean, when we were in Vegas, you walked up to people that we had no idea who they were or, you know, people would walk up to us and and talk to us and you'd be like, oh my gosh, that was so-and-so. And And I'm like, who the fuck was that? They're like, well, they knew you. And I was like, but I don't know these people. (laughs) Like, like it was cool because you did know a lot of people and a lot of people. I was going to say, but see, that's the thing. Like, I'm still the fan. Like, I'm still, I'm still in that category. Whereas you guys, you know. Well, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it is in my in mind, but, mind, but I think that, like, <laughs> it is. in your case, you know, you were saying people were coming up to you, and you had no idea who they were, but that, that wasn't happening to me, so that's the difference, I guess, you know what I mean? Like, I knew who these people were, and maybe I had spoken to them because I had them on the show, or, or whatever the case, but it wasn't a thing to where I had never seen them before, but they knew who I was because of my content, and they were coming up to me. So I guess that's the difference. And that's the point I want to get to instead of me, I guess, making the, the first move as far as getting to know somebody I want, I want it to kind of happen to me where they make the first move because they they want to come and uh, uh, talk to me because I've been an inspiration to them, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, No, I think you'll get there for sure. I, I just want to tell you that you may have doubts on everything that you've done so far or, you know, you want to inspire people. This episode, this show that you're doing today, you just showed whether it's one listener or a million listeners, you're going to inspire somebody because the whole point of our podcast is surviving your mind. And here you are living a nightmare, turn it into a dream, turn it into reality. And you're a rock star. And by you sharing your story right now, it gives hope to somebody. Mm-hmm. because you're still here to share your story. You just inspired people right now without even trying really that hard. I know it was a little tough at the beginning, but you made it through. You're here and we commend you. Um, if there's anything else that you want to add or really, uh, the only thing I really want to say, because I've already made uh, your hour long podcast podcast into a two hour podcast. Um, um the only (laughs) the only thing i really want to tell your listeners is you know put aside what i said of my hopes and dreams 
Uh, that's something I need to accomplish on my own. And if I am an inspiration to you, you know, uh, I, I am always open to talking to whoever. I don't care what it's for. But what I really want to say is no matter what you want to do in your life, I don't care if it's working at McDonald's. If that's a dream of yours, follow it because life is so short. And, I, you know, like I said earlier, you don't want to be that person that it's your time to go and, and, and you're sitting there thinking, man, I really wish I would have done this. You know, if, if, if your dream is a podcast and even if nobody listens, as long as you're making the effort to put your voice into that microphone and hit record, you are accomplishing something. Never, never let somebody tell you that you're not doing, you're not doing, uh, what you should be or or it's too hard to break through or you know don't don't be a dreamer just just get you know just do whatever you got to do to make money without following your dreams don't believe any of that shit like honestly it's do what you want to do i can't stress that enough i can't tell you how much happier i have been doing this kind of thing you know like I love talking to people and obviously this two hour podcast shows that. <laughs> hey, we were in there too, man. No, I, I absolutely agree. And you guys listening, Kevin's an amazing person as you can hear his story and what he said, he said it perfect. Go follow your dreams, whatever that is. But guys, you guys, a part of your dream, if you want an amazing friendship and if you want an amazing person, a part of your life, Go check out KevinTHughes.com, right? Yeah, Kevin T. Hughes, guys. Go check out his website. has all the links in there. has his merchandise, everything. You guys, I think you have a spot where to send you a message or questions. If you guys want an amazing friendship to blossom in your life following your dreams, absolutely go check out Kevin Hughes. And we can't thank you enough for coming on this show and sharing your story. Yeah, I'm I'm totally inspired. Like I had no idea where you came from, how you got to where you were, but I'm going to forever be little Mama Hughes because <laughs> and she's a good mama. She inspired you to go to fucking California and go live your dream, and that's amazing. So that's the mom I'm going to be until the day I take out my last breath. Well, and, and real quick before we go, uh, it it's come to my attention uh, as of late that people try to spell my name as it sounds but uh the correct spelling for hughes is h-u-g-h-e-s uh a lot of people just think it's h-u-e-s and so i just wanted to correct that but um also along with what jeremy was saying if, if you want you know not only my friendship but if if your passion or your dream is to start a podcast that is another thing you can reach out to me for and i will definitely help you and give you some advice as to whatever you're uh, wanting to accomplish, whether it's what kind of microphone should I get all the way to, do you think this show is a good idea? Uh, I can definitely uh, not only help you with that, but hopefully be a, a, a person that can motivate you to pursue it. So if you have any of those questions as well, please, please message me on there. And uh, I'm here for everybody. That's just awesome. That's my mentality. Awesome. That's so awesome. Kevin T Hughes.com. If you have trouble with the name, we're actually going to have um, that. We have a there. permanent link on our website, survivingyourmind.com. Um, his link to his website will permanently stay on ours. Um, 
He's also in the featured page. Thank you guys so much. This has been amazing. I appreciate it. Yeah, always. I know. I love catching up with you. All right, guys. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, we'll see you next yep. time. Until Bye-bye. next time. All right. Bye. Remember, life doesn't have a handbook. When you're made to feel you're living your life wrong, how do we not know they're living their life wrong? We don't. Stop being critical of yourself and just be you.